This is the reality. Hello, you. Welcome to the reality. I'm Dudley Anderson. Really, my pleasure to be with you once again, sharing the story of a life changed for the good, for good, by the touch of Jesus Christ. Today on the reality, we're speaking with founder of CIRA or CIRA International, the Center for Islamic Research and Awareness, Pastor Al Fadi. Al Fadi is a former Wahhabi Muslim from Saudi Arabia. He is the researcher, editor, writer, and translator of numerous ministries, including Answering Islam. Sira's mission and goal is to create awareness about Islam as a religion and a political movement, to inform and challenge the church concerning outreach and evangelism to Muslims, and to equip the believer with effective outreach tools to advance the gospel of Jesus among our Muslim neighbors. Growing up as a devout Muslim, Al Fadi had a desire to join a jihadi group and wanted to die for his faith. Thankfully, he was dissuaded from jihad and found himself traveling to the United States of America for an education. Here, he heard the message of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, unto salvation by faith. I had passion to share Islam with others, and I began to do this at a more serious level with a couple of people, and they began to push back against my claims. And I quickly discovered all of my beliefs were not really founded on anything tangible or real. And it was in 2001 that I attended church for the first time. And then I got a, a vision that I died. And I was standing before the throne of God on Judgment Day. And he was asking me one question. Why did you reject my son? It's our pleasure today on The Reality to speak to Al Fadi. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to be talking a little bit about your life and work. Al, um, you were a Wahhabi Muslim from Saudi Arabia. That's quite a mouthful for me to say. Uh, and I'm sure you've had an amazing life. So as always, I'd like to begin by asking you, how did you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Absolutely. And I just want to clarify to people when they hear the word Wahhabi, they, they think it's just a different branch of Islam. All it is is just a reformation movement, if you wish. Uh, it's, it's a person by the name Muhammad Abdul Wahhab about 200 years ago was disturbed about the state of Islam in uh, the first kingdom of Saudi uh, with the founder, Muhammad bin Saud, which the country is named after, he was a little bit disturbed about what, what he saw, and he reformed it back to what we call another term, Salafi Islam, meaning the first generation Muslims, the, companion, the, the prophet's generation, the companions, and their followers. So that's the kind of system that I grew up believing in, which is the purest form of Islam. Obviously, uh, growing up in that kind of environment, especially in Saudi, I mean, Saudi is the hub and the center and the origin also of the religion of Islam. All that to say, that was my understanding about Islam. It's God's final religion sent through a final messenger, that's Muhammad, and through a final message, that's the Quran. And I began to really study in depth about, for instance, uh, martyrdom for Allah, uh, fighting in jihad, dying as a martyr, and all the rewards that someone who would fight and die would receive. And I discovered quickly that that's the only way you have assurance of your salvation in Islam, by shedding your own blood and by you dying for a cause. 
cause for Allah, meaning fighting the enemies of Islam. Mm. Well, long and behold, in 1979, that door opened up for me when the Soviets invaded Afghanistan. And scores of young men from different Islamic countries uh, went all the way to Afghanistan. They bonded together as brothers, basically, and they formed the Mujahideen movement, the Fighters for God. And one of those was Osama bin Laden, who, by the way, comes from a very reputable family in Saudi, big family. It's almost like you're talking about the Kennedys. I mean, I'm sorry. I hope the Kennedys don't get upset with me right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you're talking about the Kennedys or the Bush family or something like that. It's a very well-known family, mm-hmm. well-connected with the government. And I've known some of his cousins. They were going to school with me, actually. And when that happened, I was so even more excited. It's like, wow, what if I go and join uh, you know, that uh, this group, but I'm working with someone from my own uh, town, from my own country. And I seriously thought about doing this because I was still a teenage. I went and I consulted with, uh, you know, some people. And then I wanted to ask my mother's permission. I didn't tell her I wanted to go to die. I told her I want to go and just accumulate good deeds. And when I did that, um, you know, obviously she forbade me from even thinking about this. Long story short, I didn't go. I finished high school, went to uh, an Islamic university in Mecca called Umm al I was going to specialize in Sharia, but then a year and a half later, I shifted my uh, mind and I wanted to specialize in something different than just religion. Came back to Jeddah, uh, where I was born and raised, and I went to the university over there, specialized in engineering. And that's what opened the door for me to know about Jesus. All up until that time, my understanding of Christianity was very, very limited. I assumed Christians are misguided. Their mm-hmm. book has been corrupted. Mm-hmm. They elevated Jesus to be a God when in fact he's just a prophet and so on and so forth. I came to the States and within the first month, I thought I spoke English very well. In fact, I would go to the British consulate every summer mm-hmm. and study through their English program for three months, conversational, grammar, everything. When I came to the U.S., to New York, I was able to manage uh, to take a taxi ride to another airport, you know, uh, fly and so on and so forth. But, mm-hmm. but starting at the uh, where I was at the university, starting to communicate with people outside of the campus was a little bit struggle. In America, I, I tease them. I say, you guys don't speak English. You speak Americanese, which yeah, is foreign true. language. That's right. They, I agree. You know, they use, they use phrases like, what's up? And, and I was a literalist. I mean, they tell me what's up. I studied English. Like, okay, I, I lift up my head up. I'm, I don't know what is up. I mean, you know, so after a while, people were laughing. They think I'm joking and I'm embarrassed, you know. And I went to my teacher and I says, what's going on here? I mean, am I studying English or is there something else I'm missing? And she laughed and she said, no, no, that, this is common language conversation, uh, you know, out in the streets called idioms. And you'll learn it uh, over the course of time. Well, I was focused on learning immediately. I said, well, how can I expedite this? She said, well, just build relationships with people. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I don't know anybody. And uh, she said, OK, well, the International Students Office here on campus can help you with that. That's what I did. I went to them, filled out my information, and apparently they have requests from families who want to. Uh, uh, team up with international students to help him with things like this. And that was my first encounter with a born-again believer, which, by the way, I never knew that there is such a thing called born-again. And that was my first encounter. They shared the gospel with me. I shared Islam with them. I wanted them to convert to Islam. And they obviously, at the beginning, I was nervous about how to communicate with them. But then I changed my mind yet again about that specialty. 
And I had my encounter with this first couple for about seven months. Then I moved from that campus to an, a completely different campus. And we're talking early 90s. And you know, in early 90s, there was no Google. There mm. was, uh, you know, no WhatsApp. There was no Facebook. None of these things that people use today to track you and find out how you're doing and mm. where you're at and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So the family thought I either left town and went back to Saudi or something uh, happened to me. But I moved on with my life, finished my education, got a job offer actually in the U.S. So my family was so excited that I am getting even experience, practical experience in the U.S. I stayed there and I began to chase what they call the American dream, mar- getting married, buying a house, having a child, having a good job. And, but at the same time, I had passion to share Islam with others And I began to do this at a more serious level with a couple of people, and they began to push back against my claims. I said, the Bible is corrupt. They asked me to prove it. I said, Jesus was never crucified. They asked me to prove it. And the list went on like that. Mm -hmm. And I quickly discovered all of my beliefs and all of my presuppositions were not really founded on anything tangible or real. And that shook my foundation immediately. Mm -hmm. And I continued through this phase for a couple of more years. And it was in 2001 that I attended church for the first time, not because I wanted to convert. I wanted to just know what is it that they teach these people so I can use it against them and convert them to Islam maybe effectively as an insider, if you wish. Mm. But God used that. I started to hear the same gospel message from the pulpit. Then September 11 happened which was an embarrassment to me because I knew why they did what they did. And 15 of the hijackers were from my own country, Saudi. Mm -hmm. And I knew the motive behind it, which is to become martyrs and have their sins forgiven, no judgment, go straight to paradise. But by that time, I've heard the gospel numerous times and uh, uh, Holy Spirit has convicted me in my heart. And then I got a a vision a couple of times after that, that I died. And I was standing before the throne of God on judgment day. And he was asking me one question, why did you reject my son? And I immediately connected the dots and I said, it's impossible, this is the God of Islam. The God of Islam denied that he's a father, denied that he has a son, this must be the God of the Bible. And he's asking me about his son, Jesus. And that's when I finally got the message that it is real, I can die tomorrow, something like this would happen and I'm gonna end up being separated for all of eternity from God. So get down on my knees and accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Wow. As absolutely a profound experience, Al, and how you came to that realization after all your education in uh, another religion, not necessarily, you know, looking back on, on Islam, but another religion. There are so many religions and, and ways, uh, declaring ways to God out there. But uh, Christianity, I believe, is the only Christian, is the only religion that says Jesus is the only way to God. Am I correct? Absolutely correct. And, uh, and obviously, also, Christianity, to my knowledge, is the only uh, religion, if you wish, that is based on grace uh, first, and then your work is the outcome of that salvation. You're saved, you do good work as a result of this, not the other way around, mm-hmm. meaning you do good work and hope that you will be saved. But um, also another important thing, you you hit the nail right on the head right now when you stated that that, um, you know, there is a difference between a relationship and a religion. Christianity, I thought it was just another religion with rituals, but it's a way of life 
following a leader, that's our savior, making it all the way to heaven. And that requires a relationship with him, mm. relationship through the Holy Spirit. And, and that's something that is profound that I don't think anyone can fake it. I tell people, you cannot fake being a follower of Jesus. It's just impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you said that you had a dream and, and, and uh, God spoke to you through a dream. We've heard many stories of Muslims having dreams. Have you had many experiences of other uh, Muslims or ex-Muslims that have come to faith in Christ who've had dreams of Jesus? Absolutely. I know of two, at least. One, uh, by the way, went to be with the Lord. Uh, She was murdered for her faith, sadly. And uh, she had a dream also of Jesus at the hospital coming to her to heal her. Uh, after having a surgery, and she was healed, and uh, and the staff and the doctors were baffled by the what happened. They could, didn't know how to explain what happened to her, hmm. and uh, that of course confirmed to her that this is the real Jesus, and she accepted him. Another one from Algeria, and if you remember, uh, in Algeria there was like a whole town that had a same dream, and over the course of a few months they all came to Christ. Wow. Well, he was one of those people. Now I, I have to admit. Initially, I doubted the account, and I thought maybe it's just an exaggeration. But when I met the gentleman, uh, he assured me that that was real. And God is using him in media right now in France to spread the gospel uh, to all Algerians. Of course, if you're in uh, France, in Marsilia, you can see Algeria from there, because all of the people in Marsilia are from Algeria. Mm. So he's serving among his people over there anyway, but it is real. And of course, ever since I've met with some authors who wrote books about visions and dreams, I got even involved with a ministry called Dreams and Visions. Uh, I helped them with translations and other things. So it is real. It's genuine. It does happen. But I want to emphasize this, brother, uh, to the the listeners, of course. Sometimes they think you hear the gospel in a dream and you wake up a believer. That's not the case. That's not my understanding. That's Mm -hmm. not what I am talking about. Usually the dream prompted you to connect the dots and ask more questions or realize that there is something that you've heard and now you have to make a decision. Sometimes even to remind you, it reminds you of a scripture or it it prompted you to go and talk to the people who shared the, the gospel with you in the first place to clarify the dream now and then finally make a decision to come to Christ. In other words, you do not wake up a believer. You still have to clarify things and connect with others as well. Because Christianity is is a decision, isn't it? Um, God, I have never heard of anybody being forced into the faith, forced to become a Christian by God. God, as you've rightly said, doesn't just, you know, supernaturally convert a person from non-faith to faith in Christ, because it is a decision that we have to make, because don't you believe that it involves a process of acknowledgement of sin and the need for God? We have to logically think it through and, and repent of us and neither can we be born into christianity we need to make a cognitive decision for christ amen to that and in fact that's one of the things that i began to uh, realize as to the fact that these couples that i shared islam with they were so confident of their faith that even if i held literally a sword on their neck they're not going to leave christ they were so convinced and i i kept back, you know asking myself what would make them be so confident when i thought their book is corrupt yet i couldn't prove to them that their book is corrupt and they are so uh, uh, assured of their salvation from the very book that i denied myself so mm-hmm. Uh, it is indeed the work of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, obviously. And at the same time, you're right. I mean, you, if you force someone to 
come to follow you, uh, you know, what good is that uh, to you and how genuine is that faith in the first place? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We've been speaking quite a bit. Uh, um, Al, thank you so much for your time. We can take a little break and be back after this. You're listening to The Reality, produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. We depend on the generous gifts of our listener to produce this program. You can help reach millions of folks with the sure reality of the message of Jesus by becoming a Sure Reality Vision Partner. To partner with us, please visit the website, surereality.net, and click on Become a Vision Partner. You're listening to The Reality with me, Dudley Anderson, sharing the love of Jesus Christ. Today on The Reality, we're speaking with Pastor Al-Fadi. Al grew up as a Wahhabi Muslim in Saudi Arabia. He was a devout Muslim and intent on Islamic jihad. Thankfully, his mother dissuaded him to pursue this ideology. Soon, Al found himself in America studying English. In the process, he was encouraged to build relationships with people to help him understand the language. Still persuaded that Islam was the final religion to end all others, he tried to convince his new friends to follow his faith. But God, the God of all grace and love, had other plans for this young man. Al-Fadi sat under the sound of the gospel of Jesus Christ and discovered that one cannot fake being a follower of Jesus. Then he had a dream one night that he died and stood before the God of all creation on Judgment Day. And God asked him one question. Why did you reject my son? Al finally got the message and surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. Al-Fadi entered the ministry and was led by the Holy Spirit to develop a work to educate people around the world about Islam and to encourage Christians to reach out to their Muslim neighbors. Let's find out more as we speak with Pastor Al-Fadi today for The Reality. And then slowly and gradually, the Lord opened more doors for me to begin to do formal training, actually, for people to understand Muslims. And the idea was to help Christians to connect better with Muslims and share the gospel. Then they began to ask me, well, when we share the gospel, we hear this objection and that objection, of course, the Trinity or the Jesus never said, I am God. You know, the Bible is corrupt. He wasn't crucified. I mean, the typical stuff that you hear all the time. Uh, How can we respond to it? That was the key that was a turning point in my own ministry. I said to myself, that's an excellent question. I know these objections, but how can I defend it from the Bible? That's when I started to take discipleship very seriously. I myself get discipled one-on-one for many years, and I would learn things, and I share them immediately in lessons and classes so to train others. And that's the best way, by the way, for people to get discipled is you learn something and you teach it at the same time. Mm -hmm. You begin to learn uh, that topic and master that particular topic. And it was in 2007 that I was asked for the first time to appear on satellite program that airs in the Middle East to be able to share my testimony in Arabic. And I elected to choose a name that will, you know, basically conceal my identity for the protection of my family. But I want to choose a name that represents my salvation. So I chose Abdul Fadi, Servant of the Redeemer. Mm-hmm. Later on, uh, you know, Fox News invited me to uh, talk about something related to a book that I was a contributor to, and they thought my name was Al, so they called me Al Fadi, which in Arabic means the Savior or the Redeemer. So, brother, okay. you have the Redeemer on your show right Fantastic. now. That's all I can tell you. Come on, excellent stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in in 2010, 
uh, I attended seminary in 2008 and and uh, finished in 2015 with a master's of divinity. But in 2010, I lost my job because the economy uh, back then was almost the same as what happened during COVID. Uh, you know, it was down. There was a lot of issues that are happening at a global level, but also in the U.S., and when I lost my engineering job, uh, I felt like the door opened up for me for ministry and my pastor and my church, uh, who I am under their accountability, encouraged me to consider becoming a full-time ministry uh, missionary. And that's when we uh, thought of a name for the ministry. And the name was the Center for Islamic Research and Awareness. And you can see it's a mouthful. So mm. we shortened it to CIRA, C-I-R-A, which incidentally, brother, Sira in Arabic means the biography of Muhammad. So oh, it's really? it's a, it's an Islamic acronym that people will will think it's an Islamic site, yeah, and, and we want it to be yeah, yeah. basically friendly to Muslims. I don't want to use a name that is offensive to them. Yeah. I want to attract them to come. And and the Lord has been uh, really uh, blessing us with so many interactions with Muslims uh, since we launched the ministry. So it's been about ten years now that we have this ministry. Fantastic. So how do I share the faith with a Muslim? Well, it, every Muslim is different. Uh, that's that's an excellent question. So sometimes, and the best way, obviously, is to find a way to connect with them relationally. And at the same time, you can present to them that you are someone who follow Jesus almost from day one. Even if you meet them for coffee and the opportunity didn't present itself for you to share the gospel, you can at the end of the meeting say something to that extent. Our Lord that I follow asks us to pray for people. How can I pray for you? Or I heard you today talk about this or that. Mm. Can I pray for you? I mean, it's it, the idea is they want to know that you are sincerely following Christ from day one, not hiding it from them. Mm. But at the same time, you want to find a way for them to begin to be intrigued by what you're doing. And also, uh, the best way when you have a long, uh, lengthy relationship with them is to ask them, like Ramadan, what is Ramadan? Why do you fast? How mm. do you fast? Mm. Oh, can I share with you how Jesus taught us about fasting and why do we fast? How he fasted? I mean, that's what I mean is like f finding ways and perils basically in a conversation to build bridge back to the gospel. That's in an ideal situation. Mm. But obviously, sometimes we don't have that uh, you know luxury to have in relationship with people over the course of time. So I would say if if you can meet with someone uh, in the street and and they're friendly enough to interact with you, they're listening to you, you can give them a track, you can you can ask them to connect with you or somebody to learn more about Christ, that would be the best way to do it as well in a short term. But at the end of the day, the best way to share the gospel with anyone, including Muslims, is to talk about salvation. Hmm. Are you sure of your salvation? Right. Are you certain that if you died this very minute, and look what COVID did, mm -hmm. hundreds of millions of people have died just, just like that, you know, so if they don't know Christ, where did they go? So it's, it's the topic of death, the topic of judgment, the topic of sin that can really grab the attention of people. Mm -hmm. Now with Muslims, for the most part, they are an honor and shame worldview people. What do I mean by that uh -huh. is, if me, I leave Islam, I dishonored not just my my religion, I dishonored my community, my family, my country, my district, my friends. So I shamed him, basically. That's what it is. Hmm. And they, that's why they want to disown me. So how can I restore this honor? Well, I can use the gospel from that point of view. Adam, who was in the house of God, dishonored God by disobeying him. God had to kick him out. 
Now, how can Adam regain that relationship with God and enter back into his house? He needs a mediator that God will listen to and love and appreciate, and that's our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's exactly how it is in most countries, Muslim countries. If my father kicks me out of his house, literally, I have to find a cousin or a brother or somebody that he loves so much that will intercede on my behalf, Mm. and then my father will allow me back. And that mediator will take all the honor for doing so, but my honor is restored. So so I would say things like this can be helpful. Uh, to share the gospel with them. That's that's the gospel in a nutshell, isn't it? That God exactly. loved the world so much that he sent his own son. Jesus Christ became that mediator, and we are reconciled to the Father through Christ. What an amazing story. Yeah. Now, uh, Al, you uh, grew up in Saudi Arabia. Um, I've never been to Saudi. I'd love to go, actually. But, um, you know, um, as, as a, a Western Christian, we've heard many stories of, of Christian persecution in Saudi Arabia. What's it like to be a Christian in that country? I mean, I I really pray that you can go now. Things are becoming more and more different. There is a lot of openness right now. It's a beautiful country, beautiful people, very hospitable. And obviously, uh, you know, not to their fault, uh, whether the government or the people, as I said, they think they are the holders of Islam, the holders of Islam, the protector of the faith. So they do what they are taught to do, which is preserve and protect the religion and uh, prevent in their mind what they call falsehood, anything outside of Islam. So uh, in Saudi in general, I mean, things are going to change now, I can assure you that much, but let's let's use the, the classical or the traditional times when I grew up. You cannot have a, uh, basically a church in there. You cannot have a Bible study gathering. You cannot be seen holding a Bible in your hand, and you cannot be caught also sharing openly the gospel with people, whether you are uh, the one who's sharing, or let's say a Saudi is listening to you, both of you can get in trouble over this. So that's what happens because Sharia law uh, is the one that mandates all of these things. There is no such mm. thing as a freedom of religion in Islam, meaning you're free to leave Islam if you want to. But even if you declare that you've left Islam as an atheist, believe it or not, there is a large and rising number of young generation Muslims who are openly declaring themselves to be atheists today. Oh, wow. In fact, you say you're an atheist, people kind of like chuckle and say, oh, it's just a phase they're going through right now because your identity is a Muslim. You're born a Muslim. You cannot deny it. Mm-hmm. But the minute you get baptized and declare that Jesus is Lord, that's when the real persecution begins. Mm-hmm. Now, the government of Saudi have been at least to, for the most part leaving those uh, affairs to the families. Saying, okay, if your son or daughter left Islam, became a follower, just you deal with it. We don't want to get involved in this. And uh, that's where the real persecution happens usually oh, at that level. Right. You get be locked out. Uh, you can be, uh, they can go and tell your boss at the job that you're, uh, you have converted and they fire you because it's hard to get jobs in Saudi. So you become a homeless, you know. They threaten you economically, socially, mm-hmm. physically. And uh, when I appeared on satellite program in 2007 for the first time, uh, a, a young Saudi uh, believer, or accepted Christ, I should say, became a believer. Her name is Fatma Muteri, and she was caught by her brother and father who are religious beliefs in a central part of Saudi, and they cut her t- tongue and killed her and burned her body. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so this is serious. I mean, uh, when it comes to the family level, it is very serious. The government, cool. every now and then, depending on your infraction, they may throw you in jail for a day, for a week, for a month, just to scare you off but they prefer that the family handles these things. So there is persecution. It just varies from region to region, and the level of that can also vary as well. 
So, Al, tell us, are you on the internet? How can we make contact with you? So, my website is sirainternational.com. That's C as in Charlie, C-I-R-A international.com. And our YouTube channel is also called the same, Sira International. And I do have my own, by the way, uh, live stream called Let Us Reason and radio show called Let Us Reason as well, if people are interested in that. All of that is housed in a YouTube and in a website as well. Well, Al, has been absolutely amazing, fascinating indeed to talk to you uh, and to learn a little bit more about uh, Islam uh, and how we as Christians can, uh, can serve Muslims and show them Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for joining us today. We wish you all the best and I pray that God will bless you and that your ministry may grow. Thank you indeed for joining us. Well, today on The Reality, we've been speaking to Al Fadi. Just to mention once again, if you'd like to make contact with Al, find out more about their ministry, please visit sirainternational.com that is c-i-r-a international.com if you'd like to know more please email me dudley at surereality.net the reality is produced by sure reality a listener supported radio ministry find out more at our website surereality.net from me dudley anderson to you as always keep walking in the sure reality of christ christ